Ooh, oh, hold on. I actually don't even know if it's recording. Oh, there. Ooh, the pop culture cake. I'm here to today to discuss Death Note and whatever else fancies our 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 podcasters. I'm going to go ahead and start the introductions. Steve. Hi, everyone. My name is Steve Nath. I watched the Netflix-sponsored Death Note movie a couple days ago. Adam. Yeah, hi, I'm Adam. I've seen the Death Note movie, and I've seen the anime that came out before it, and so I have never read any of it, though, so that's where I'm coming from. And Matt. Hey, I'm Matt. I also watched the Netflix uh, produ- original, whatever the crap it is, uh, Death Note movie. I also watched the anime, and I, by some bizarre twist of fate, had the misfortune of also watching the Japanese Death Note live-action movie, or at least one of them back in the day ama i think i think i there was a deep sense of panic in me when matt led with the western film like to be clear i've seen none of this like i'm aware of it in the in the in the pop culture zeitgeist sense but i haven't seen any of it and when i thought that it was only adam who had watched the anime for that brief moment i was like oh no this podcast is going to become a death note the white movie discussion (laughs) and that is a that's yeah, unfortunately, that. I think we're going to be able to dodge that bullet. It, I, it no. might still, though. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, because there, there's a lot to unpack with this yeah. whitening movie that Netflix decided to put out. Yeah, so I, there was just a, a weird, like, because it would have been, a, a, the energy would have been very different throughout the episode. I'm going to go ahead and uh, give the floor to Adam or whoever would like to start off. I'm picking Adam because the waveform of his is the largest and it drew my eye to him. So a little bit of behind wow, the scenes. Wow. I'm opening the, the I'm opening the, the the curtain on this on this process. But please go ahead. Yeah, so what we're talking about at least initially here is a well-established story that was adopted and adapted by Netflix in 2017 into a film by the same name as the manga and the anime Death Note which they set in a modern time Seattle, Washington, and they basically take all the Japanese characters and keep like their first names and give them American last names and more or less keep the core of the idea the same in which a otherworldly object, a death note, which is a small notebook, is introduced to the human world, which allows a individual to write any name they want, and the person will die. There are more rules than that, of course, and there are strict or less strict, depending on which of the iterations you're in. This movie is not my favorite iteration of this series, uh, with the exception of Ryuk being played by Willem Dafoe, which it was really interesting to see them bring that character to like a literal 3D life. I did not like this movie. I thought it was very westernized. They took what was a story about like mental challenges and intrigue and turned it into an action movie. It felt like. Well, I mean, I mean, do you think it's, it serves us better to, to discuss, to go backwards, talk about the absolute travesty that this movie was apparently, and then uh, lead into what was so good about the anime or should we start at the anime and go forward? Well, I want to, I want to start at the, and to go back, actually, which is reverse history. So go. But that's yeah. Good. I mean, I'm, we can talk about any piece of it in conjunction. Yeah. So Steve, uh, Matt, whoever would like to go, let me, let me know what your thoughts are on the movie. 
I guess I'll, yeah, I'm happy to talk about it a little bit. I guess it was interesting to me the way this movie did things because I think, number one, this was this movie was directed by Adam Wingard, who, fun piece of, uh, I guess, pop culture cake trivia, also directed VHS and VHS 2. VHS, the friends I used to live with, Brent included, will know, was uh, the only movie that has ever forced me to run upstairs that evening to sleep, grab my katana on the way up, and sleep with it next to my bed for at least a week afterward. So, I mean, he's got a little bit of horror chop going. The movie, like... So as much as it did a lot of like Western whiteization sort of erasure kind of stuff, I think that like because it's been so long since I watched any other Death Note media, it allowed us to sort of uh, like look at this thing as a standalone piece. And as a standalone piece, it kind of starts in believable, reasonably grounded ways, right? Like if we take somehow accept that we're going to take this 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 death note concept and place it in Seattle and our like big burning question is what would happen if rather than this sort of relatively calm collected really intelligent kid the death note falls into the hands of a horny teenager it doesn't do an awful job of that until the later parts of the movie i think like the last third is like an uh, just ultimately this giant smelly fireball of of just ass but they do an okay job in the beginning i think as a standalone product, I think like my real problem was the way they kind of took Faust. Like, like to me, original Death Note is very much this like Faustian tale of like the guy who makes the deal with the devil to try and do a thing, and then eventually the devil takes his soul, and they turn it into like a weird Romeo and Juliet knockoff. I don't know. Did Dave y'all like? have feelings about that or disagree with that kind of i guess conclusion i don't know i mean i think before we we get right into into that i I would like to hear what uh steve thought top of the very fair his macro thoughts of the on the film yeah i it was so it was interesting i had watched prior to this only about i want to say five minutes of the death note anime and i found it completely inscrutable uh, mostly because I was, I now know, thanks to the watching the movie, it was apparently a scene where L was talking to two police officers, and there's like something spooky in front of them, and they're all freaked out. And he's like, "Remember, officers, you're not equipped to defend yourselves," and they get eaten by the spooky thing. And I was like, "This, I, I did not know what I was watching, but everyone had talked about it." Sort of from Ben's point of view, it's like a zeitgeist thing, right? That a lot of us weeaboo sad boys know about death note but we may maybe have not interacted with it although apparently we have 50 percent of the show here clutching their box sets and taking notes so anyway (laughs) big macro thoughts i i definitely agree with matt and i'm glad that i listened to his point and can crib from it because i was trying to realize where i felt the disconnect because i remember early in the movie in like the first third of the movie kind of digging it kind of digging the idea that they've encapsulated this sort of naive desire for human beings to be part of something big or to like self-aggrandize, right? Not to get into it too much, but Light discovers the book and is like, hey, cool, I can make people kill themselves or make people die with this book. I know, 
I'm going to become the god of vengeance. Nailed it. And that that leads that leads to sort of the adventure of the story, right? That a a much less a much less traditionally told story would be one where he goes, "Oh, cool! I can kill people if I find it convenient." All right, I'll I'll keep that in my I'll keep that one in the noodle, and then just every seven days I have to kill someone. That would actually be a kind of a cool story, and would lead me to uh, a segment that I would love to do called "How do we make this movie better?" Which I'm sure we'll get back to. Anyway. Big picture macro thoughts. I think the first third was cool and touched on some good stuff. I think it started to get shaky in the second third uh, as they sort of brought a couple of interesting plot lines up and then really just kind of like shoved them out of the way to get to the third act, which was really sort of ham-fisted it was very much like all right well we got to wrap this up we don't have money you know we, we didn't get greenlit for a sequel or anything so let's wrap up this arc and i remember at the end of it going to the wikipedia page i'm like holy crap is that what the anime was about and scrolling through that page and it's not if anyone hasn't watched the <laughs> netflix you it, it's different it is like not only did they americanize some last names and put it in chicago or not chicago seattle but there if you think that the after our discussion that the movie was kind of weird and convoluted don't go any further because your <laughs> head will explode and i'd love to get into that more but i'll go ahead and yield my time to keep the discussion going yeah so i mean let's briefly touch on that on that that faust i want to say analogy i don't know if that's the right word guys but yeah i would like to get into that because that, that, that did interest me i think adam you had a you had a response to that. Yeah, the I mean, Faustian concept there. So the main idea of what the devil is, if you want to call it that, is something they're calling a psychogami, which comes from Japanese myth, which they're spirits of death or gods of death, depending on the way you want to look at them. And they don't really, they're not really devils in the sense of the Christian tradition which is why I balk at the Faustian comparison because I mean, Ryuk as a character and actually the rest of the psychogami in general, they're just there to see what happens. Whereas the devil is out for like a very specific goal. Like he wants Faust's soul. Whereas the Ryuk is just there to eat apples and have fun. Like he just wants to see what happens. So while, yeah, the idea is like, what if we gave absolute power to a human and what will they do with it it's not exactly faustian in that regard well and i i guess my rebuttal to that would be on a couple of levels i i mean a is like the obvious cop-out answer of like yeah but i mean i'm speaking very loosely to this right like i think it's a, right. i think it's like a loose adaptation of that concept not even so much a, like it's i would call it a like at most intense like pastiche right like it's at most it's kind of a very loose remix of that idea of like okay you know the kid gets power it's tied to this like spirit that like at the end is going to take his soul right because very early on in the anime ryuk says when you've gone too far i'm gonna write your name in the book right like that's the end game that's how it ends when light dies light's gonna die because ryuk writes his name in the book spoilers awkward so that line actually happens. Spoilers here. Watch out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The the 
And is that, that the, line happens very early in the show, though? So is that a spoiler in for the movie or the anime or both? No, just for the for the anime. Yeah, like the first few episodes, I think it's like when he's getting when he's learning about the book. Ryuk is so basically what, like at the end, I'm gonna take your soul. So does Ryuk provide a similar, like a similar warning to the Americanized version? No. No, yeah, he does not. Well, like full spoiler, what what was the ending of the of this movie? <laughs> uh, did it end? Um, <laughs> the, yeah. It just sort of trailed off. So there is a fifteen minute chase scene. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of trailed off. I oh man, I really want to give my synopsis though for like end of Act Two through Act Three of this. Okay, yeah, no, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm, we're gonna. We're gonna start at the end of my sentence, and you have a full minute. <laughs> I'll be watching the clock. I'm ready. Yeah, a full minute to give me a synopsis. So we'll go ahead and start right. Just give it a second, boys. I'm gonna do it. It's gonna happen. Start right now. Okay. Cool. So, introducing the major characters for a second, we have Light, who has the death note and can not only decide how people are killed but also basically take control of them for up to 48 hours before their death he uses this because he's he is being chased by l who's this sort of like super detective boy who loves candy and he's like i gotta kill l but l always hides his face and is known only by a single letter and those are the two things you need to use the death note then full the person's full name and you need to be able to picture their face so he's like i know what i'll do i know the name of his manservant watari I'm going to mind control Watari into going and getting L's full true name and telling it to me before he dies in 48 hours. And then I'm going to use that to kill L. Uh, that doesn't work out. I'm running out of time. But so him and so Light and his girlfriend get chased around. And then there's a Ferris wheel and a bunch of explosions. And then it was revealed that, oh, my God, it was a master plan by L all along. Nailed it. L? Yeah. Damn it, Light. You were so close. I was so <laughs> close. God, we need more Steve on this show. For no, I know, right? Oh. He brings he brings the uh, crazy energy with him. But I think, I mean, I think, I mean, punishing him for the incoherence of that movie. I mean, you know, L and Light are very similar in the sense that they both start with the letter L. So, I mean, I'll give it to him. I'll Fair. definitely give it to him. Based off that description, though, I have no interest in watching this movie. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's... Uh... And that's probably sensible, given that like most of the like the most of the tension from the original anime comes from them battling, trying to discover each other's identities. Like this, it's all a mind game for them, and this is not that. This is just an endless chasing. I would say though, I think that that's like an East versus West conflict because the like I am the killer and I am really smart, and you have to figure it out, is like straight out of the Hannibal Lecter playbook, right? Mm. They do those scenes okay. Like, like because, I didn't mention it, but Light's father is a police officer assigned to the case. L is like an independent contractor not affiliated with law enforcement. So, like, they have to work together, right? Because, like, L can't arrest people. But he carries a magic future gun for chase scene purposes, which is <laughs> fun, I guess. But it... Like, they do that, I think they do that well, because that's sort of in the Western canon wheelhouse. What they can't seem to do is the the sort of supernatural or, like, special, I don't know, special, I guess supernatural is the right word, the supernatural elements of it, because that's not a normal thing in a, like, gripping crime drama, right? Is that they 
they were like, oh, can is I don't know maybe L writes light that maybe L kills him with the book or does the book how does the book work? I gotta check my notes on this one, guys. Can we just give them all guns? But I think you want to just have everybody holding a gun as a page of the Death Note. That's your plan. Yeah, the Death Note uh, is a gun in the Western. Okay, I think I think you're giving the Western the Western media machine a little bit not enough credit. They do they did make the show Lucifer and the show Angel, which are both essentially like crime type dramas with fantasy elements and the X Files. We hear multiple like multiple shows. Granted, these are all shows. It's a long form media. It's a little bit different. But yeah, I imagine that there were a whole litany of themes that were completely dropped by the movie. I mean, if we if if we if we're ready to move on, then let's move on. But if if we want to shit on this movie some more, brother, I'm here for it. Well, yeah, one of my major problems with the film adaptation is actually how they twisted the rules of the Death Note. Because I mean, in the original anime series, as I understood it, like the Death Note had rules that were very specific and they they were basically def- default rules like if you don't write anything specific in it you write someone's name and you imagine their face they die of a heart attack within a few minutes and this one just was like what if it was even weirder and we can make it up in fun final destination death scenes or and further when they were just like the you have to write a name every seven days that was never a part of the original anime and i'm just like it was jarring for me at, at coming from having seen the Eastern interpretation of this story to the Western where I was just like, why did you have to add all these layers of crazy? What it was, it was strange to me. And maybe I missed it, but in Adam's description, he didn't mention that light could control, like control people's minds and manipulate their actions. But Steve yeah, mentioned no, he, that. He, he absolutely can light in both the movie and the anime can like control actions not so much minds like people would be like if you wrote a very specific detailed analysis of what they would do they would follow through on those actions to the letter but then at the end of that do they still die like if if you're writing in the book the name of the person doing these actions they do they do all of those actions and then they have a heart attack yeah exactly or they die in some other way yeah whatever you write down and if you don't if you fail to specify it's a heart attack Oh, okay, so it defaults to a heart attack. Right, there are like so it's not necessarily. To it. yeah. It's not necessarily an Amer- the Americans' obsession with gruesome and gore. No, I meant just it like is- right out of the gate, they started playing with that concept. Not even like before Light had fully explored the concept of the mind control. They were just like, "What final destination-y things can we do?" Yeah, and I mean, I think I think that that was honestly part of why I think that considering this is an interpret a reinterpretation along the lines of what if light wasn't this very put together really intelligent kid who seems like he's on the fast track for law school and instead is just kind of a smart very horny teenager who's impulsive because he just kind of like writes random shit in it right like at first and and it that gives them the license for you know at Wingard to just like blow people's heads off and stuff right because i mean um, light in the original was very methodical from the very beginning he starts planning out his ascent to godhood whereas like this character is just like well i found out how to be a god might as well do it well that yeah and that's that's part of what killed me about the way this thing wrapped up right because after our like 10 15 minute chase scene and our extremely rushed ending that totally could have eaten into the 10 to 15 minute chase scene <laughs> right in, yeah 
a lot better off. There's this like sudden like I get it, the Death Note's a MacGuffin, it is in and of itself, as Amalia who I was watching it with, like it is in and of itself this like Deus Ex Machina like thing. But like the way it all just like comes together and all of a sudden Light is this super methodical, really like like he has not been that all all movie, right? We've been listening to Nat Wolf's weirdly unnatural sounding screams the entire movie. <laughs> right, yeah. Like where he just sounds like he sounds like a Simpsons character reacting to someone pooping on his lawn or something, right? Like he's just he's been this caricature of himself this whole movie, and all of a sudden he's really well put together and smart. Like the last time we establish that Light is smart is when he's doing other people's homework in like the first five minutes of the movie. So there's like an hour and a half of Light being a screechy, impulsive boy, and all of a sudden he's smart again. Like what? Just a disconnect. It's just a hard disconnect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that. That does not get hammered home enough, I think, to make that last kind of methodical moment that he has on screen feel believable. Right. But do you think it's maybe like like a subtle character growth that they were going for? Like as soon as he learned about mind controly superpowers, he started like developing that skill. I, I mean. If you're thinking about it from a character growth standpoint, if that was the like subtle themey thing they were going for, that subtle themey thing clearly died on the editing room. Floor, yeah, okay, fair. right. But I'm not trying to like, give them more <laughs> yeah. credit than they're doing. I'm just trying to find <laughs> an explanation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it was also just like so much of the Death Note's manifestations in the world of the in the world of the work were like Rube Goldberg machines, right? Like we made the Final Destination mm. reference. Yeah, no, that's it, I, that's the closest reference I can think of. But it and it is so unnecessarily, I think, convoluted in a in an attempt to convey intelligence, right? So the the moments that we're sort of alluding to in the film, Light is like about to be cap uh, uh, arrested or captured or whatever. And he runs to the school computer lab and he like types on a computer for a few seconds, scribbles some stuff in the death note. And then like the, the fucking climax occurs, right? There's like cops chasing him and L's chasing him and there's cars flipping over. And then there's a Ferris wheel and he's got to save his girlfriend, but she's going to betray him or maybe she does, maybe she doesn't. But right. And so it ended up that he like researched a couple of disposable individuals with criminal records and like wrote this Rube Goldberg machine of them, like putting him in a coma so that it would avoid suspicion. And then they would look up some criminals and write them in the death note to let it like to throw people off lights scent. And then one of them would give it back to light when he woke up from his coma and then he'd be, scot-free i guess except he did all of that and then in the chase scene when he's like oh no the jig is up l's gonna shoot me with his future gun he's like hey here is that thing that every detective movie has where i say literally what's about to go on but you won't realize it for 25 more minutes (laughs) like if he the whole beginning of the movie and the part that i bought into was that like L, for whatever reason, is, like, really friggin' smart. And he is, like, playing these people, right? He is, like, playing a game. And 
Light is dumb. Light is a horny teenager who is like who did well in algebra one, right? Like that's mm-hmm. like there's no he's not a mastermind, and all the only thing is his power is so outside the realm of possibility for a normal individual that L has to play catch up. And that's kind of cool. Yeah. That like you can't outsmart the supernatural, but it's still a human being and L has that intrinsic understanding of how human beings activate human beings behave. Wow, human beings activate. Yeah, you, um, you, you yeah, breathing holes, you dropped the ball there, but I went yeah. I want full breathing holes on that <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, you but, did. <laughs> but yeah, like he and then all of a sudden he starts playing fourth dimensional chess and he's like, Perfect, look at this. Look at this great idea I just had that I'm not going to tell you guys about, audience. Uh, and then to redirect a little bit, I'm interested in Ryuk. One of the throwaway plot lines that crawls right up my butt was Light for a brief moment was like, hey, I'm going to write your name in the book, Ryuk. And he's like, ah, oh, lots of people have tried. I'll give you a hint. My name has four letters. The most anyone's ever gotten is two. And why is that a Dragon Ball Z abridged Mr. Popo voice? Can we just <laughs> yeah, <that's what> <laughs> because I didn't want to go full Willem Dafoe, but it's I hard, also okay. hard to impersonate. On top of it that. would be too powerful for this exactly. Podcast, like it would right? blow up my my poor little netbook here. So instead, <laughs> I just went with something kind of goofy because it's also I like. I grapple with that because it's like a riddle and I, I do love riddles Mm. and, Mm. but so it's not, is it, it can't be R Y U K. Someone would have gotten that because it's written in the book at the, like on one of the rules pages, someone scribbled like, don't trust Ryuk. He's not your pet. He's not your friend, which I guess is supposed to be foreboding and is like a good horror movie moment. But like, is it though? Yeah. Ryuk again, like, Ryuk is like a death god, he refers to himself as, but he he like he is bound by this book ostensibly. Right? Like in the anime, he has a lot more agency, it sounds like. He's like, I'm going to be the one that kills you, Light. Well, part of that is, and refresh my memory if I'm wrong, but in this Western adaptation, uh Ryuk doesn't have the second death note. In yeah, he does right in the in the original anime. The reason why Ryuk is able to give away his death note is because he like stole one from another Psychogami at some point, and so he's like got the ability to kill Light instantly just by picking up his own death note and writing his name in it. Oh shit! Yeah. So I like Wikipedia yeah, like... that fact. I had no idea that he just had his own personal death note. Wait. Yeah. So then who kills? Who kills the person in Ryuk's death note? Does another Shinigami, Shikigami, Psychogami do it? Uh, I mean, the way I understand it is that, like, they're just, like, a bunch of Shinigami, like, in, uh, you know, whatever their realm is or whatever their dimension is, and, like, one of them loses their thing, and, like, normally it's just, like, a, a one per capita kind of deal, like, that's the source of their power, but Ryuk is, like, kind of bored, and he's an agent of chaos, so when he finds this unclaimed one, he's just like, oh, we're gonna fuck with the world. Yeah, this is gonna be great. What, what if I give it to some weirdo <laughs> kid? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. But so, wait, what is, in the like, original the... anime, there's more 
death gods who roll on into our world to try to like start interfering back. So it's it becomes more complicated. Yeah. I have so many more questions. First, does in the anime does Ryuk like orchestrate all of the killings from this unclaimed death note or do they just die and it's not shown? The, like, the, the death note is the the agent that acts. Like if you the death note is the power source. It just like you write a name in it, zap bang lightning strike they're dead. They die. It's, it's not like Ryuk teleports behind them, waves his hands, yeah, and then like is, a Ryuk ladder. Is just a, Ryuk is just a being in their spirit realm who was given this death note and said, go forth and be a death god. So mm -hmm. it's not... Like, like that is their role in the cosmic realm. Okay, and so like yeah. in the normal day-to-day -day activities of death gods, do they just like get... On their on their death beeper, someone's like, "Hey, this old guy's gonna die," and they no, show no, up. No, because it like... doesn't. They're more like reapers. Like they go out specifically to kill individuals. Like in the anime, they actually explore their realm quite a bit because it's like in decay, and the they're all just kind of sitting around playing dice, and they don't even bother to write people's names in their notes anymore because there's no point. So yeah. that's actually why Ryuk leaves, because he's trying to get away from this boring, never-changing landscape. Mm -hmm. So, no, they, they're not. their function is not like death in the Western canon. They're not an entity who's killing all things all the time and harvesting their souls. They're just, they're more chaotic than that. So, like, they just write names in their own books, and then they, like, they just... Oh, 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 yeah, sorry baseline motivation for them they have to write people's names in their books in order to extend their own lives because they're not inherently immortal i forgot about that very important detail <laughs> yeah and i think i think to answer your original query i think that the reason that ryuk's name can't be isn't like the reason ryuk's name can't be written in the death note is like specifically because he's a shinigami i think so yeah i think like the, it's just like a hand wave yeah like they're just like you can't you can't touch them they're extra powerful beings and i would have rathered that explanation than ryuk's like weird rumpelstiltskin challenge because then i was like oh is it written in like a different language like is it a different character set or like is it do the shinigami have their own language does he have a true name or something like that and i was like i wanted no. <laughs> that i wanted that to go somewhere instead of a throwaway line that just you know what i mean i would have rather he it, like it gave it gave him a false sense of menace is what like because yeah. up until that point up until that point ryuk's character is more or less just the background character going hey, hey, hey i love apples i love apples and killing yeah sure here i go I, yeah right i I will say this though, and this is something Amalia brought up when we were watching as well, is that like the way they did the CGI with Ruk was really, I think, it was pretty good. Using shadow and darkness in particular to like compensate for it, because I know we love practical effects on this show. I went back, I watched the whole backlog of PCC content. <laughs> like the way that they've made every appearance that Ruk makes in like darkness really allows them to circumvent like sort of the more sort of like the logistics of all right this thing's a horrifying death god from another dimension how do we put him on screen really effectively so at least he looks the part even if he's a character who says some things that don't match up <laughs> yeah no I, that's one of my compliments for the film Willem Dafoe just can pretty much be as scary or as friendly as he wants depending on you know how he's feeling that moment and the the darkness, the makeup, the CGI, like all of it's like really 
really good. So I agree with that. Wow. I When we get to that segment, I have a lot of thoughts in the opposite direction. So that's going to be exciting. Well, Ooh. this segment right now? <laughs> I, mean, it's, I, mean, I mean, I think it's... it's... I think it's tragic. <laughs> the anime is significantly I think it's bad. tragic how much more interesting the anime is. A tangent, we're still technically talking about the main movie, but like watching Steve get, right, not watching, but hearing Steve get like enamored and just excited by the anime and the potential and the possibility and the intrigue. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then, and then somebody's like, but the CG, and Matt's like, the CG in, in the live action is, I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about the anime yeah. boys. I mean, I mean, so I, I mean, honestly, like, I, I don't want to. I, I feel like it's it's so divergent and the quality is so different that I intended it to is. give. They're wildly different. It's almost like this movie shouldn't have the same name, or should be just like a new movie, different name, inspired by Death Note. You know, like it's cute, it's silly. It's just it doesn't feel like it's from the same genre, down to the bare bones rules of the Death Note itself. Yeah, so I, I had intended to give the whole media franchise a max score, but because they're so different, I'll give the movie a separate max score. I'm going to do that right now. And if you guys don't know, it's just the thing that we do. We give things a max score. It's one out of five. It's out of five, right? Yeah, one out, out of five. Yeah, five out of five maxes. Yeah, that, those are potential scores. Yeah, I think I'm going to give it a. I'm going to give it a two out of five. I'm going to give it a two out of five, and here's my reasoning: one, because I don't think we can give it zero, and two, because William Defoe. And that's that's my takeaway. If you guys want to just jump in on the anime now, I, I mean, I, I have a, I have a question for the anime. So they don't they they do they do go into the this other world where the Shinigami exist. Right. They, but they, do they do they give you a sense of the structure of the society other than they need to write names in to stay immortal? Not much. Like the, the cuts to their realm are fairly few and far between. But we do get the sense that there is like some rules and structure. Like there's a king of the Shinigami and like they're supposed to follow some set that it's it's not very well fleshed out because most of the story is focused on, you know, light. Yagami turning himself into Kira, the god of vengeance. So is this Bleach? Is it Bleach? It is not. No. Dear God. Very different. Very, very different. This is not not people going, picking up swords and going into the spirit realm. This is not Yu Yu Hakusho. This is not those shows. This is the spirit realm getting bored with itself and just like seeing what chaos can be sown on Earth. And one of the one of the things I thought about this movie, and this is something I'd talked about in sort of the the wind down after the watch over here, was like in terms of its like depth and methodicalness and like overall quality, the 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 anime feels a lot closer to what like an effectively paced version of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy would be than whatever this movie was. Interesting. If that makes sense, yeah. it feels more like cerebral. It right? is. Like the it's, anime is it's very more, cerebral. Yeah. yeah, it's like not just sort of not another teen romance murder movie directed by the guy who did VHS. <laughs> right. It's it's closer to like a John Le Carre. Yeah, movie. and they they drill down in the anime into the question like yeah, there's the Faustian concept and that's important to keep in mind, but they're drilling down more into like the concepts of good and right and wrong and justice. Because they really, like, what 
how, what I thought the main theme of the story was is like in the event that some being on Earth was suddenly killing off all the criminals and making the world quote unquote a safer place based on their interpretation of justice, would you be okay with that? It's like the Boondock Saints conundrum. Like only the Boondock Saints are a phantasm. Also with Willow. Yeah. I don't want to get too sidetracked by this, but you guys know that William Defoe's dick is like massive, right? What? Why? I mean, does it stack up to Dukovny's though? That's that's the question. No, no, it's it's so it's like so that. it's so large <laughs> that in a scene where he was nude, the director had to give him a false penis because they did not be- he did not believe that people would believe that his dick was that big. <laughs> and we care about this. I gave I gave myself an eternal clock of the number of times that y'all would say William Defoe before I brought it up. Well, who's and William Defoe? He's Willem. Willem Defoe, thank you. When you brought up when you brought up Willem Defoe just enough number of times that it was either going to be me talking about his penis or me talking about John Wick. That was the the dice roll. That was the coin flip. <laughs> okay. And you know, I made my choice. I, and I stand by it. I stand by his 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 enormous penis. Do you know what movie this was? Was this from The Lighthouse? <laughs> no, this is this is I think when he was a little bit younger. Uh-huh. You can look it up. It, it's like it's a scene where he's showering. I think. Huh. Oh, okay. I just know that The Lighthouse has thoroughly researched realistic mermaid vagina in it, and I was like, well, that makes sense if we have Willem Dafoe's thoroughly researched monster cock right alongside it. <laughs> <laughs> I have not seen uh, The Lighthouse, and I am learning too much too quickly. <laughs> I, oh, I have so much. I have so, I have a fun little Lighthouse rant. We should we should add that to the queue. You want you want to talk about that? Definitely. Well, then save it for the podcast. Yeah. yeah, right. Save it for the podcast. Or or hear me out. You just say it at the end of this. I don't I don't mind. Like, it's whatever just, you want to do. And yeah, just, you'd, be, you'd be talking to yourself more or less because I couldn't respond. I don't know if anyone else can. Just a post credit. Yeah, I can't. Teaser for that episode. Just like here's Steve's <laughs> initial take. Hot takes, ladies and gentlemen. I think it's like a Marvel movie. Hot like take. all the credits roll, and then it's just <laughs> just, it's just just you it, in a falafel shop. Yeah, you you just hear like <laughs> yeah. me clear my throat, and I'm like, fish gina, <laughs> and then it ends. I mean, I mean, I mean oh, to be no. to be I mean to be fair. In the first general season of this, Matt let me know that I did this. Apparently, I talked bad about I talked shit about Lord of the Rings over multiple episodes. Yeah, <laughs> and you, you hurt my feelings every time. Did it is a is a running bit. Uh, so I like think my... he knows it hurts me. He likes making me cry at night. So, I mean, I would love the I would love for Steve to spend three episodes spread across several months where he <laughs> just, just randomly gets into about a lighthouse. Yeah. <laughs> if you guys want, someone just has to mention Channing Tatum, and we can bring it back from season one. Oh my good lord. What was the, the bit about Channing Tatum? What was our bit about Channing Tatum? Ch- Channing Tatum and the Tat- Tatum Tots? <laughs> yeah, the Tatum Tots. I, oh my I good just, lord. I hate, I strongly dislike Channing Tatum to the extent that when we did The Kingsman, the second one that has Channing Tatum the in second, it, yeah. I was finally, I was finally able, I was brought face to face with my nemesis. And, I mean, I haven't, I haven't listened to that episode in a while, but I, you know, I think he's a little bit of a no-talent hack, and I think he's acknowledged that, and that just makes me all the more angry. That it's not even like Robert Pattinson, <laughs> who in The Lighthouse came to grips with the fact that he can't act his way out of a wet paper bag. <laughs> it's 
Steve has some feelings about the lightning. Wait, did, did does he come to grips with that? Is that the point of the film? It's not the point of the. It's not the point of the film. But... It's all a character study of Robert Pattinson's inadequate it, acting ability. No, it literally. I I have now I have poisoned the well. If you guys watch that movie ever. <laughs> That's all you'll be able to see because he has gone into interviews and been like, yeah, so I don't actually know how to act. So I've always done uh, what we in the theater community call outside in, which is you do something to put your body into a state that affects like your mind and your acting. So like The Lighthouse is about Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson, like drinking turpentine and fucking yeah. mermaids. And so he like just got ridiculously drunk for some of the scenes to try and, and act and like he's drunk. And, addition, and additionally fucked a tuna? Like... <laughs> well, we'll <laughs> we gotta Spoilers, save, like, some, I don't, save some of it for the podcast. Yeah, but no, no I, I kind of want to watch this movie now just so I can well, experience. And so he, for like some scenes, he would like spin around in circles to get really dizzy, or he would like have someone slap him around a bunch so he was like off kilter and flushed and like on the verge of tears or whatever. But he like through that film realized that he can't do that forever when he almost threw up in Willem Dafoe's mouth. What? Why his mouth? No, because there's this. No, 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 no. We're we're cutting this off. I want I want to hear that, and I want to hear that today. But we're going to get back to the anime, and then at the end of this anime conversation, we are going to have a little bit of a fucking William Defoe and British Channing Tatum oh my god so back yeah. to the anime let me just yeah, let, me, let me let me try my best here to reel us back in which is the craziest sentence because famously i'm not the yeah you're the, the one who's gonna take us in a weird direction yeah uh, <laughs> i did in fact william defoe's penis willem defoe's penis did this to us and, so many. <laughs> right just stupid. Yeah, it's, uh, it's apparently it's, a, it's just unbelievable. What were what were maybe some of the if you can recall some of those early emotional interact like 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 at the end of that show? Which if you could give me a brief brief synopsis of the end of that, kind of give me what your takeaway was from that anime emotionally and how that compares to. I don't want to get too much back onto the movie, but the the frustration is what we'll say of of, mm. of the movie. And then, yeah, just just go go from there. I'm I'm very curious to hear. Hot, hot take, if anybody's yeah, interested. We, I got my other bits, them, baby. We don't hot call take. them hot takes here. We call right. them uh, we call them a hot cake or a spicy tres leches in in the in the pop culture. Okay, I got a spicy tres leches for you. We need to make this a bit and give you like a button yeah, that you can hit. It'll make a sound with a side of Tatum thought. Yeah, yeah. It's like, but but here's here's here is my spicy tres leches, right? My reaction at the end of the at the end of the anime was exactly the same as at the end of the movie, which was to say, "Jesus Christ, thanks, God, thank God, it's over." Because I guess, do folks mind if I do a something of a loose? Oh, yeah, that's what we were asking for. Yeah, yeah, please, thank you. Okay, yeah. So, so here is here is my loose synopsis here of of the show so yeah light finds the notebook it falls out of the sky he's like oh holy shit and he like makes some criminal have a heart attack he starts doing the similar things in the movie right he has prisoners kill themselves and write kid and blood on walls and stuff l gets assigned to 
you know, bring the man in. There's some really gripping scenes, including potato chips, which were definitely harmed in the making of this anime. And, like, they get into this sort of, they get in this, like, duel of the minds, right, that runs for a whole bunch of episodes where it's like, uh, light is closing in closer and closer on and like manipulating the shit out of everyone close to him so they can get close to light light actually brings him in onto the investigative team so that he can vet him so they can pin these crimes on light and like eventually though again double spoiler alert light wins out and kills l l is dead but you also learn this whole like orphanage back plot that they had going that uh, I think the anime alludes or the uh, the movie alludes to, and Watari is like trying to find records in in the movie of lights uh, of L's actual name in the anime. They're like, oh yeah, this 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 orphanage thing was a thing. So what do they do? They pluck another detective genius out of the anime who's just L but with toys instead of candy, and they eventually like pin down light and get him and like writes his name in the notebook and that's the end of it so that like last like <laughs> that last part where they just produce another l was so painful for me to to watch that like by the time i got to the end of it it was like the exact same reaction for me i was just like holy shit jesus christ and i think tragically we were we were missing max from this episode because he had a he had his his baby recently so congratulations to that yeah, yeah, yeah man. max and I remember that he was such a big light fan, so I would have loved his his take on this. But I do remember there being a lot of like kerfuffle about light being killed and the way that he went out. Yeah, so I mean that is that seems kind of that seems kind of cheap. But Adam, what were you, what were your emotional thoughts? Yeah, to expand a little bit, he also like between the what was the name of the the second detective M? Yeah, it's yeah something well, like that. Between yeah, L and the second detective, he. He light goes on a rather huge rampage and more or less becomes a, if not an actual god, a god to some, and he ends up like manipulating and co and coercing several several people into a very convoluted thing that is actually very similar to the movie. And like, why is this master plan so ridiculously complicated? Because he's once again trying to get away from a super detective, and yeah, it's a little it's a little much the. I actually disagree. I like the way Light goes out because for me, it's like his hubris finally caught up to him. He tried to get too fancy and too clever. And eventually everyone was just able to like work together and figure out the loopholes to bring him down. And Ryuk is just like, aha, told you so. Like it's more or less exactly what you would have expected. Ryuk, who's just been sitting on the sidelines going like, it's going to happen any day now. So for me, yeah, I was kind of glad that the series ended just because I like when series end in a place that makes sense instead of producing a new super detective. You know, like it's just it, it needed to end. And yeah, but I like that light got brought down by his own hubris, not so much anything extra clever. Is it is a predominant theme in the anime hubris and pride? Pride is absolutely. Yes. So like because I imagine that the that the light character is very prideful. And so is L. That's part of L's problem too. So they do they have a deny? Do they have a purely ant- antagonistic um, relationship, or is there some no. sort of like mutual respect? I think it's implied. And correct me if I'm wrong, Matt. But L, when L is finally killed, Light feels like a loss, pretty extreme, because he was like lost the only other person who was able to compete with him mentally, and it just like 
makes him kind of bored with the whole Kira bit. And so, yeah, that was, that was yeah. So like, and they, their relationship up until the point that Light finally discovers L's identity and kills him is rather amicable. Like they save each other, they help each other, they work very closely together multiple times because they're actually both working the Kira case. One trying to trick the other and get the other one to finally give up his identity. So, yeah, so That's I wouldn't very... call it. It's antagonistic, but it is also amicable. It's almost, I don't know. It gets the same vibes as Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty, at least from the more recent adaptation with Benedict Cumberbatch. I don't. I I don't want to. I don't want to ever talk about that show again. Let this be. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, Mom. I didn't realize I stepped on your dress all the way over here. (laughs) Let me me say that this is my one and final warning about that fucking show. (laughs) I'm just saying it has that vibe. I mean, we we could do it, but it'll be a destiny situation all over again. Oh, no, where you're going to lose your mind? I'm ready. Partly because I don't like the... You know what? No, never mind. No, no, no. Steve, do you have any questions? It actually goes back to wrestling. It does. How. It probably does. It does. <laughs> it does in a way. Form. It does. Way. I, if I were to like just off the top of my head, make a quick connection. It, it reminds me of Vince McMahon's like meteoric success in the Attitude Era and the absolute fucking crash that comes after that when you get too big of yourself and there's no competition and it's like the the people. I, oh Jesus Christ! It's so frustrating. Steve, do you have any questions about the anime? Do you have any thoughts? Because I know that you were very intrigued by the whole, the revelation that the uh, anime is good and that the movie is is not only bad, but it is it is bad in the feet in the footsteps of something potentially amazing. I like as a person, I really enjoy the world building of of any sort of work, any work that can sort of create a universe that reveals more upon closer examination is really interesting to me. And so I already asked my question about Ryuk's little throwaway line, but I do also heading back to the movie for a second. I'm interested in this, like there's a moment at the very end where like L has pieced it all together and he finds a page of the death note, which we learned like, according to rule 67 has all the power of the full death note. And so he like looks at it for a minute and we, the audience, are like, oh, bother, is he going to kill Light? Oh, dear, here he goes. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, 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 me, oh, my. And I really wanted that to pay off also. I, like, I have so many, I think what, I, what's, what I'm coming around to is such a grave dissatisfaction at all of the cool world building like whatever department was like, oh, let me just seed this movie yeah, with cool ideas. Yeah. Got fired midway through, and then they were like, all right, wrap it up, boys, wrap it up. Well, according to this here Wikipedia article, there actually will be another Death Note film made by Netflix. Will there really? <gasps> That's what it says. I mean, you know, it's Wikipedia. It's not the actual Netflix page. So, but. There might actually be a reason for them leaving you on a cliffhanger there. I'm not super excited about that news. I, I for <laughs> one, am. But I, with like grim surety in my voice, I do have to say I would probably watch it. Like just the next episode of Star Wars. You don't know how you do, it doesn't matter. I have to see it. 
I still haven't seen the final, the concluding chapter of the final trilogy of oh, Star so you Wars. Oh, you escaped the trap. Good job. Well, I, I mean, I owe it all to my daughter, who is <laughs> 15 months old. And as a result, uh, the last movie... So, the last movie I saw was Death Note. The movie before that, the last one I saw, I think was Detective Pikachu. Oh, oh wow. Oh, yes. Which, you know, another great, great detective movie. The story... <laughs> Just top, top tier. <laughs> well, actually, no, but it is kind of like a nice, interesting detective story with like a bunch of weird supernatural Pokemon bullshit thrown in there. I want to go back to the scrawled note in the death note i'm interested in if this plays into the movie is there a connection to previous owners of the death note or is uh light like owner number one in the anime so you you mean was there a scrawled note in the anime as well well just a are were there multiple users of the death note and b is there any connection between them or like do the pages all go away when ryuk transfers it to a new person you know, I've actually always wondered that because to me, I'm pretty sure the Death Note is like a finite article. Like once the pages are used, they're used. And mm -hmm. in the anime, Light uses like a lot of it. Like almost all of the Death Note is gone. So I've always wondered that. I, I don't, at least to my memory, think it was ever actually answered. And, but I do believe that there were previous users of the Death Note, but that there's like no connection to Light's character. Like he either he didn't care or uh, Ryuk didn't really explain it. It just didn't seem to play a role. Like when yeah. he's opening the when he's opening the book. Is it like like when he first opens the book? Is it at the beginning of the book? In the movie? In the anime or either? Oh, no. I'm sorry. The scrawled note in the movie, I believe, is in the beginning of the book. Yeah, it's in the it's in the rules, right? Which so are, the which are there in the anime? Is the implication then that the book, if he reached the end of the book and then someone else gets it, the book would start over and he has like one little ad, ad to he can add to the rules or something? Or is it that the book truly has a finite number of uses and everyone else who's used it was so incompetent or not as capable as light at, at avoiding the consequences of using it? So, that's my point. I, I don't yeah. think that's answered. In the yeah. movie, there are pre like people's previous usage of the Death Note is recorded, and it seems to stretch back into the past fairly, like like I would say generations, right? And because like in in the movie, Light like flips through them and is like, yeah, all these people use them to like settle scores or like enact petty revenge or whatever. I have a much more elevated idea of what I would like to do with it. Make bad people kill themselves oh. oh right like which is yeah. hilarious because one of the first names and this was like a weird historian bit that i that i i'm still not quite sure how i caught but like the first time he opens that book he flicks through some pages and one of the names on there is andre yes. Sena, who was one of the police marshals who died of a heart attack in like yes 1820 yes yeah <laughs> i that yeah, no, exactly. That's what I was saying. Is like that, like it. It has been around for a long time. And to your original point, like people are just bad at it, apparently, because there was still plenty. There were still plenty of pages left in that notebook. Which is why I think they dodged it in the anime. I just they they were like they didn't want to even care mm -hmm. about it. And also, I mean, continuing on, there was a small sequel one shot 
to this and to the to the to the manga that has this is based on my very brief understanding of it i have not read it you know what i mean it's just it's just that i absorb you know this type of information for whatever reason it's like where like multiple countries are fighting over possession of the death note and it includes trump like uh, oh oh, it's that recent oh no i remember this yeah. Or I remember the like picture, like that manga scan of Trump holding up the death note. Yeah. Could you oh, imagine? <laughs> we'll, we'll let that we'll let that just hang in the imagination. Gosh. I'm not even sure where where I it mean, ends, but in a I in a in a slightly funnier and more lighthearted. Oh no, I was just I was just going to say we should yeah. put that in the show notes is just a link to anime Donald Trump receiving the death note. Yes, do it. But another, uh, a slightly funnier bit, uh, a bit that has nothing to do with current historical times, actually, is uh, that there was a uh, Korean League of Legends player who went by Long Panda. And Long Panda was, like, notorious for either being really bad or, like, being the only player performing well on his team while his team was on fire. And Long Panda, who lost a lot of one-on-one matchups had what he cut he had just like one of those regular old like cow skin pattern composition books called the panda hmm. note and anytime he got solo killed 1v1 in lane he would write that player's username in the panda note that made him one of my favorite players he was really bad but, but the fact like, that he had the panda note just just that <laughs> oh yeah the the panda note was was just peak peak esports in like 2013 you know like <laughs> so, so i just yeah, looked it up bad. briefly and the <laughs> i think it's actually kind of humorous the uh, the king of death so they're they're like bidding over this over this this book and the the king of death creates a new rule that punishes the the purchase of the book so that a human who sells or buys the death note will die, the seller will die when the money is received, and the buyer will die when the death note is in their possession. So it's, it, so the implication being that that the king of death from this outer world spirit realm is so unhappy with the idea of Trump getting a hold of the book that he, <laughs> that he himself intervenes when he previously, I, I'm assuming, never yeah, did. Yeah, he just kind of just hung out on the sidelines, yeah. And he's like, no, 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 no. You're going to die. <laughs> so then it, so then everyone involved in that transaction dies. So the death note, I assume like falls onto the ground and gets picked up by a passerby who then, if they were to choose to sell it, would kill themselves and also the buyer. Yes. Added right? an item. Yep. So, okay. So yeah, I get it. The death note King just wants to make sure that, only like that there are no sellouts that like you got to really be into killing people which also i feel like you could have added a line to the movie for ryuk to be like yeah i it's a symbiotic relationship i need to kill people to live i don't really give a shit about what human it is so i thought i'd have some fun and all of a sudden it makes so much more sense complete with that thing that scrawled note that's like ryuk is not your pet he's not your friend we're like he's not Mm -hmm. it makes a lot of sense that it's you know that it is like presented as a like in this one there's not the same kind of menace there's the like i'm invincible because no one is ever going to write my name down 
but it it isn't the same i don't know i feel like the notion of like a of like a starving dog companion or a starving dog death god right because in this one that role is really played by uh light's girlfriend who's like this sort of lady Macbeth individual who's like you got to keep killing you got to keep killing you got to kill your dad why don't you kill your dad come on kill your dad uh, uh, ambition i i read <laughs> a shakespeare play so can you yeah right <laughs> exactly like <laughs> right so I, again i'm just i'm grumpy about that and i'm also I feel a little bit cheated because I think some of the best parts of the anime, some of the best parts of the universe, just the justification for what was going on were just left on the cutting room floor or never included at all. I agreed. That's why this film is so frustrating to watch knowing the rich backstory of the anime, at least. So like, yeah, it's just, it's difficult. It's and difficult to like this movie. That's it. It's like, I liked this movie a lot more before I learned what the universe could have been. Until you talk to us and we ruined it. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, because the Wikipedia article doesn't do it any justice. It's like, oh, a, a pop star gets a second death note and moves to Lights High School and blah, blah. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the most anime anime to ever anime. <laughs> I don't know. I think I give the anime, based on your points, a solid, We're getting a, max. a solid four out of five maxes. Oh, it's Jurassic Park level? You know what? Now that you've said that, I give it a three point five <laughs> out of five. Oh maxes. dang it! I dropped it. Oh. We can do fractional maxes. Apparently. I don't know. I feel like the rules are fast and loose, just like max. Oh <laughs> my god! Ooh. Oh, he'll never listen to this. It's fine. Oh, what if he finds out it's about death note, though? Gee, ooh, he <laughs> you might. better believe well, he's gonna. <laughs> also, I mean, he just he just became a dad. Like his reality is going to start coming apart at the seams for him i think he might have time for a podcast yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much so we got yeah. we got a rating but i still want to hear about the lighthouse are we going to get our rant on the lighthouse no i rated i rated the enemy so we could just talk about whatever the fuck we wanted now <laughs> well i want my rant on the lighthouse i've been waiting I, this whole time i really want to hear about why robert pattinson almost threw up in william defoe's mouth i also oh, want to sure. know that so Robert Pattinson, one of his tricks to appear more emotional was he would like either make himself gag or make himself vomit right before filming the scene. And Good he Lord. hid this. He like did it away from Willem Dafoe, partly because he has such great respect for Willem Dafoe, as we all should. And I don't know, mm. partly because he was scared and ashamed of it. I don't really know. I'm not Robert Pattinson. Spoiler alert. But his so he like after a long day of filming and like either making himself throw up or bringing himself to the precipice of throwing up there's a scene where he's like standing on top of like straddling willem dafoe and he had to stop the like he was like oh i gotta go as he almost <laughs> threw up on willem dafoe and willem dafoe has said nothing but nice things about robert pattinson because he's a surprisingly nice man yeah, the, so the director was uh, the director has been quoted in saying, "Before every take, Rob Robert Pattinson was sticking his fingers down his throat. Willem gave me a look as if to say, if this guy fucking pukes on me.' And then, <laughs> and so you're like, oh god. And then you you hear that story, and then Willem Dafoe's like hot take on it was, he's not he being Robert Pattinson. He's not interested in craft. I think he wants to throw himself into deep water, and if he 
feels like it he feels like it'll only be true if he's drowning which for this role is perfect because that's the state he's going to be in for me that seemed wacky but i'm not trying to judge he has a good sense of the visual of what's needed in a close-up sometimes he'd beat himself up so bad he'd stick his fingers down his throat things like that dear god i think william defoe real quick is such an affable person that that even him describing this insane method type of whatever the fuck this is yeah. i'm like i'm like I, and it's not <laughs> even it's not even willem dafoe it's you but i imagine willem dafoe talking and i'm like yeah 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 willem dafoe he's just trying yeah. to, he's just trying to drown i understand what you're saying right it that is such a nice tactful positive way to talk about someone who literally in another interview was like i don't know how to act well enough to do this movie so i have to cheat by making myself throw up a bunch is it cheating though i mean is it cheating the art no because here's my argument because christian bale lost a bunch of weight to play machinist is that cheating you know what i mean like is that is the thing the things that you do to your body are if they're like gruesome or unhealthy for the role I mean, like like uh, Hugh Hugh Jackman getting fucking shredded to play Wolverine. These are they're similar manipulations. Right. I imagine yeah. Hugh Jackman almost wanted to throw up multiple times, having had his thirteenth chicken breast, and you know, like doing core <laughs> workout for forty five minutes a day while a, a studio paid trainer screamed at him. Or I mean, however nice I mean, he may have been gently talking about about all of the cocaine they were going to do later. I don't fucking know, but it's like. It's like that's like terrible stuff, right? You don't know no person can should survive solely on on lean chicken protein titty. Like you 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 do these things for your art and in a way and I'm not a you know it's it is wackadoo. I'm not saying it's not fucking crazy, but it's similar in that you are like, you know, getting that getting to that to that that place. So is it cheating? I think that's my question. From from my ivory tower of the performing arts that it is cheating in as much as it is a shortcut to get to a desired place that sort of you can i have no doubt that a particularly skilled actor could do cast away and be real thick and have us not care right like you don't the willful suspension of disbelief is the core of the perform of of storytelling, yeah, right? and wrestling, and, and wrestling, which is storytelling, everyone, yeah, yeah, Thank exactly. Uh, and so, like, in situations where there is a, an amount of physicality required for the role and the conditioning that has to go into it, I I don't feel like that's cheating, right? Like, if if you have to play an athletic individual and thus to film the scenes, you have to be athletic enough to not you know, collapse in coronary distress running and doing the hurdles or whatever. That's cool. And sort of like, if you make the choice to alter your physical appearance for the role, cool, do it under the advice of a medical professional, please. Like Christian Bale looked spooky in The Machinist because he was so ridiculously emaciated for someone of his like overall size and bone structure. But that was a powerful visual moment. I don't think it was necessary. And so that's why I think that that's why I sort of mm. used the shorthand of cheating. Right. Well, I mean, you I mean hear, hear me yeah. out though. 
I mean, let's let's go away from like these physical transformations. We're talking about cheating, right? As a shortcut to get to is the is it a shortcut to acting or is it a shortcut to a certain result? Because I would argue like Bill Murray, as famous and as great as he is, never played anybody but Bill Murray in any movie that he was ever in. And in, in, a, in a way, is that not a shortcut? Like you are not acting in that sense to achieve a different goal other or a different persona, different energy other than your own. You're taking the shortcut of just being yourself Ooh. on film. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you're on my team for this one. I also like I I'm 100 percent in that boat that that is that if you are allowed to just read the lines in in this like even if it's not your real persona like bill murray is like a folk hero and sort of adopts that persona all the time but let's let's make up some fictional person or well i was going to pick on alan rickman but he is deceased so that's not very nice jeff goldblum Um, sure jeff goldblum so yeah, I think Jeff Goldblum definitely does personify this type of acting in a way. Exactly. He does. Like he does. He, that's why I picked him. I thought of right. him immediately. And that's the thing that that bothers me. I think because it is it is a shortcut like to two successes. If your personality fits sort of an archetype or a sort of performance goal, it is very easy to play the same character five hundred times. But then, are you are you are you claiming that every character act, not necessarily character actor, but every actor that's been typecast as cheating? No, because that is, in terms of typecasting, like casting to a particular archetype, it's not. There are enough shades of difference in most constructed works that you can bring something new to a character. Like Jim Carrey is a good example of this. I think Jim Carrey plays funny man often he does not have to play funny man he has played unfunny roles but his various funny men with some exceptions there were some stinkers in that catalog are different funny men they are distinct and i think that's the key name and name a stinker of jim carrey's are you i don't want to walk into a bear trap here No, I mean, I think that there are, I mean, I, I just want you to name one <laughs> as I lay more leaves on the bear trap. <laughs> yeah, just, just like, please pick a film of our beloved and overlord, Jim Carrey. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I, I am so terrified that Brent, like right behind him right now, is just a wall full of signed Jim Carrey headshots. <laughs> I, mean, I can see why I mean, you might be worried about that. You no, know, I'll, I'll give you one. I mean, like the he did a he did a movie where he did a movie where he like I don't fucking know what the fucking movie's name is, but it, the premise is that there are penguins. You guys it, remember that? It's like no. Fantastic Mr. Pe- I don't. It, it's just it's just Jim Carrey and penguins in a New York apartment. It's not. I don't know what. Oh, it's a pet detective. No, 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 not, Mr. Popper's penguins. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. And also, oh. he did. He did a full oh, CG no. uh, Christmas Carol or a Christmas yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. Something about Christmas Carol, yeah. yeah, there are definitely bad Jim Carrey films. I just kind of wanted an example of one so we could talk about what went into those things. That I mean, I, I don't know because I think I think you're giving Jim Carrey, and it's weird because I love Jim Carrey. I don't have a wall of uh, I don't have a, a, like a blood tribunal behind me for him. But like <laughs> I I do think that he's you're giving him maybe more credit than he deserves. 
in his funny roles. I think his unfunny roles are very varied and and I think he does a great job in those. I think that anything that has him being doing the Jim Carrey extra, which is like Ace Ventura, The Mask, even fucking classics like Liar Liar or Say Yes Man or Yes the Yes Dude or whatever the fuck where he you know, like there are there are clearly I mean me, myself and Irene. It's it's a lot of these different stories, different character, but Jim Carrey doing his crazy face and yelling. You know what I mean? Like making a very wide mouth. I mean, there are there are tricks that he is doing that are very similar that are that are repeated in all of those roles. Well, whether or not that's a shortcut, I you know I I'm curious. I mean, I think the podcast this episode's name is going to be uh, Death Note, uh, and and the descriptions go where we discuss Death Note, like the lighthouse, and for some reason acting. <laughs> method acting acting versus all the other schools (laughs) yeah and well you know that's actually an interesting point about jim carrey specifically so i think we should add a jim carrey segment into this like mid 90s jim carrey like from a from a fucking producer's standpoint could do no wrong yeah and yet the work that came out like i'll just i'll just say one batman forever okay what the i don't hate his Riddler. I don't hate his Riddler. I don't I, like Tim Burton. I, first of all, Tim Burton did not do the movie that that he was in. <laughs> that was Joel Schumacher. Yeah, thank you. Why don't you like Tim Burton? Are we, That's are we, a separate are we, whoa. issue. <laughs> yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. Come back to that. We, That's a separate give, issue. Give me a. I, I'm not going to respond. Give me a, 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 a sixty it, no, second. No more speed. bear. No more bear traps. You guys were right, talking fine. about acting. I just fine, don't fine, like fine, the Tim Burton. All right, fine. I will say that Tim Burton's second half is not great. Yeah, but no, the Riddler. But I think I I don't I don't hate his Riddler, and I think what. But but to your point, I think you're right, and I I know that I cut you off. I'll let you get back to what your point was. I think I I think why I like that is that they took the things that you're about to criticize and they put it into a character for a film where that made sense, and they did a lot of that in the '90s with Jim Carrey. I also want to point out that in Batman Forever, Tommy Lee Jones was also brutally assaulted by a, ter- <laughs> by a series of terrible character decisions. Yeah, that didn't happen. He is more a Joker than he is a Two Face in that movie. In, in from my like Tommy Lee Jones, yeah. it's very Joker like, just a caricature of of that type of crazy person. But yeah, please continue. Batman got its start in comic books. It is a cartoon at heart. And I think you can embrace that and do a good job of it. Like Batman the Animated Series, I think, did a really good job. You can also go more realistic and do sort of like the the much beloved Nolan Batman trilogy. And that worked out pretty well. But you cannot go more goofy and still hold it together it became like a studio executives doing several lines of coke and then being like fuck batman my kid loves it let's fucking do it the riddler he has questions he wears a suit covered in question marks he is going to be in a toy commercial and then two-face ready for this one purple animal i'm seeing purple i'm seeing animal prints 
I'm seeing my mother. I'm seeing her dying. I'm seeing <laughs> scars. I see Tommy Lee Jones. I see Tommy Lee Jones. Ship it. I feel like I definitely don't see Billy D. Uh, Billy D. See, Williams. I thought we'd gotten. I thought I thought we'd gotten so totally off topic, and yet here, this conclusion that Steve has reached is honestly completely relevant to our Death Note discussion because that's probably the exact same. Oh my shit god! That where happened. they just all were like, "Okay, okay." Now in this scene, man gets on Ferris wheel. It explodes. Girl falls. He actually, he, no, he came up with this the whole time. This, I'm, I'm seeing. I'm seeing uh, a young, horny teenager with a Death Note book. I'm seeing... Why am I seeing Nat Wolf? Whatever, fuck it. Let's go with it. I'm seeing him screaming. He sounds like a Bieber fan in 2008. I'm seeing, I'm seeing Will, Willem Dafoe's giant horse cock. <laughs> I can't oh, look oh away. The, the monster has morphed. It is now a death god. His cock has become a death god. We're doomed. <laughs> His death has given me a book. So, so to, to, to somehow bring it back on the tangent that we're on, what was your... <laughs> did you carry his role in Batman for... In Robin? <laughs> He's dying <laughs> over there. Batman forever. <laughs> what... <laughs> We've lost Brad. What, 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 are, what is your takeaway, Steve? What are your primary concerns? <laughs> <laughs> what are my primary concerns about what? Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey is the Riddler. Riddler. <laughs> oh. Jim Carrey is a spectacular physical comedian. The Riddler is a spectacular intellectual creature. He's already real fucking silly by the virtue of the question mark motif and his unnecessarily complex bullshit. All you needed to do is make him smart. Cast someone that's not a physical freaking comedian. Right? Like, this is the same era as the Danny DeVito penguin. Mm, Terrifying yeah. sewer mutant Danny DeVito penguin. Which... My favorite. I don't know. I watched Gotham, and that show I have plenty of other thoughts on. But at least it it didn't know. I don't feel like it knew what to do with the sort of comic book source material, but at least it it tried to be like, okay, let's see how much comic book we can bring into like a CBS 8 p.m. crime drama and still make people buy into it instead of this, which was like, it was ridiculous. Like it made a like it it took characters. Oh my god, I've turned into a, an aging white man in a comic book shop. Oh, all right, we'll, we'll, oh, we'll, we'll get back to we'll get back let's get back to acting because we can we can we can do an episode on Batman films <laughs> and uh, yeah so I mean but I just I I do think that again to the core of the conversation that there's maybe a lot of cheating going on and that Robert Pattinson is maybe doing himself a disservice and trying to highlight or separate his form of cheating as if it's all that different from the very nature of acting which is to cheat someone's suspension of disbelief that you are a thing that is not that you are not right you, know? you might not actually be cheating so much as just using a different acting style than the method actors who, which is you know fine you know there's not there doesn't have to be one road to rome yeah and I, and I think maybe why i'm becoming why i'm why i'm trying to highlight that that there's a lot of cheating going on is because that he's again somehow beautifully interconnected he is going to be batman and and, yeah. and use he no. doesn't know how to fucking act scares the living shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> 
So to get in the frame of Batman, he's going to have somebody kill his parents. <laughs> Maybe. That's <laughs> all. That's no. but that. But that's method, though, and he's claiming to not do method. Man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's oh, Daniel oh, Day Lewis shit. Daniel right Day Lewis, that is a piece of work. But he, he could play Batman. <laughs> hey, man. But the question—the question is always right. Like, how do you how do you make this less real right. for yourself so that you maintain your sanity? Right. Like, how do you how do you separate yourself back out of the role? Daniel Day Lewis literally makes shoes by hand to bring himself out of these places where he's like lived in the woods for like months and months and months all on his own, so that he can have a weird love affair with Madeline Stowe in Last of the Mohicans. Or, or, or step out of the woods and be President Lincoln, yeah. I have in my hands tremendous Matt, that is scarily close to real. <laughs> I've seen that movie twice. It was way too much. I don't have as much of a love affair with Daniel Day-Lewis's acting, and I think it's because I haven't seen or I'm not aware of, maybe he's such a fucking chameleon that he's been in movies that I've seen and I can't even distinguish him as a person that is not, that is Daniel Day-Lewis. Have Day you Lewis. seen Gangs of New York? No. Have you seen Their Holy Blood? Nope. Last of the Mohicans? Nope. Lincoln? Nope. You've, you have now eliminated the vast majority of his work. Well, so I've... We never... Yeah, we never saw there will be blood, man. So Damn I, it. I, I, Damn I, so, so I don't have this love affair with with Daniel Day Lewis, and I, and I see him as like the epitome of this type of acting. That again, I'm almost taking a different point now, where I don't really, I don't really find, I'm not super in love with method acting. I think it's kind of, it just seems very dramatic for for what is. I don't want to hear about fucking like because you go to the things that executed well, like Daniel Day Lewis. He's an excellent actor who who has famously used this type of act, this this way of doing it, and it works well. And then you go to like Jared Leto, who is like the infamous version of that, where it's like, oh, he did this method acting and he was fucking garbage, and he was like har- harassing his oh. his coworkers. And actually, Jim know, Carrey is famous for that too. Oh, I mean, yeah, Jim Carrey for for Man on the Moon, he, like him, him, some, some kind of dark nexus of ideas is a comedian who is maybe on in a, in a way cerebral and funny who got typecasted as a physical comedian who then violently opposed that with his dark his, his like number like the like number twenty three or sunshine Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless yeah, Mind right got a chance he, to play. The, the biggest anti-comedian in Kaufman. I can't remember his first name. Right, yeah. And it's like, it was, too, I think that that dark, those two dark, like the bitterness that is, I think, and cynicism that is maybe inherent in Kaufman's work and the bitterness and cynicism of being typecasted with Jim Carrey just blew up and he became such an asshole for such a long time. Also, Kaufman famously did uh, multiple skits with Jerry the King Lawler, a wrestler, uh, oh my god, he did it. He did it. You said it couldn't be done, but he did it. <laughs> he found a way. Uh, life uh, finds a way. <laughs> hey, throwback. I think with that, we'll end the episode. This is episode uh, two of season two of Pop Culture Cake. Thank you for listening. Uh, and I hope to see you guys uh, next time. <laughs>